want you all to know that I have received more comments on my tie this morning than normal, but contrary to the opinion of some, this is not a statement for or against any, um, any SEC team represented in our church. It's the wrong shade of uh, orange for, for either of a couple of those teams. Let's pray together. Father God, once again, we're grateful, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's found in it. Lord, I pray that you would speak through it this morning, speak through me, this broken vessel, the sinner, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, spreading the gospel message, the good news of salvation in Christ to our families, our neighbors, strangers, fellow students, co-workers, employees, is a daunting task. After all, it is a message of condemnation before it's a message of salvation. John Newton, author of the popular hymn, Amazing Grace, said this near the end of his life. He said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. Church, you will, you will never view Christ as a great Savior if you don't first see yourself as a great sinner. The world will never view Christ as a great Savior unless it first sees itself as a great sinner. And we're called to take a good message, the message of hope and salvation and restoration and reconciliation and eternal life through the bloodshed of Christ to to all people, to go and to spread that message. But the gospel message is not all warm fuzzies. And we often treat it as if it is, but the gospel-centered word of God first says that all of us are in a heap of trouble, that we are all self-centered men and women, boys and girls, and that we're deceitful at our core. We're corrupt from the heart we've rejected the eternal good and loving and just and perfect and holy Lord. And as a result, we, we deserve judgment from God. And the blindness of, of our own sin, the reality of our own sin and the depths of our sin often cause us to, to fail to recognize, to fail to see the truth of the message and the goodness of of the message. And so when we go out and, and we speak this message, we know this message, we internalize this message, and, and we spread it among others, it's not always going to be met with a positive reaction. It's not always going to lead to receptivity and delight and gratefulness. Nevertheless, it's what followers of Christ are called to do. And as is often the case for God's people, there's good news for us in that. And the good news for us is that the Spirit of the Supreme God guides us and works through us as we spread the urgent message of Christ among all people. 
The Spirit of the Supreme God guides us and works through us as we spread the urgent message of Christ among all people. I think as we walk through our biblical text for this morning that that truth will become abundantly clear. So look with me now at Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. The Bible reads, The two of them, this is talking about Saul and Barnabas, who we saw last week were sent out by the church at Antioch. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Verse 6, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind. And for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This morning I want us to see three truths based based off of this passage and then three implications of those truths for us today. And for those of you that that like to take notes, these can be found on your sermon outline notes page uh, in your bulletin. But before we get into those truths, I want us to step back and just give a bird's eye view of what has taken place so far on this missionary journey. We saw that last week, Saul and Barnabas, these two leaders in the church, at Antioch in Syria, were called apart, were set apart by the Holy Spirit of God to go and to to participate in a particular task. And so while the church there in Antioch was was worshiping the Lord and fasting, we read in verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, set apart these two men for the work to which I've called them. The response of the church is they recognized that that God was in fact leading them to send these two men out. So they laid their hands on them, they prayed for them, and they sent them out. And then in verse 4 we see them journey under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they leave Antioch in Syria and they, they go down to Seleucia, which is on the western coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And I think we have a slide showing showing this map, which as you can see here for you geography people, this is Antioch here in Syria, just above uh, Judea, where Jerusalem is, where most of the Jews live, but the church had scattered under persecution, and they'd gone up to Antioch, 
The church had grown there. And the church then set apart these two men from Antioch. They go down to the coast here, about 16 miles to the port city of Seleucia. And they board a ship. And they set sail out in the Mediterranean Sea. And they land on the eastern coast of Cyprus, this island right here, Salamis. This wasn't, this wasn't an afternoon stroll through the neighborhood. This was, this was over a 100-mile trip just across part of the sea to the island of Cyprus. And so they get to, to Cyprus. They get to Salamis, which is an important city, arguably the greatest city on the, on the eastern coast of Cyprus at the time. And, and commercial city, an important commercial city for the island. And they, they entered the Jewish synagogues and they began to proclaim the word of God. They began to teach the Jews the scriptures, the truth about Christ. And then after that, they, they traveled by foot westward, all the way to the other side of the island, over to, to Paphos here. 90 miles westward to the west coast and the capital of the island. And there they encountered this this official, this Roman proconsul who was the most important person in that particular Roman province at the time. He was like the Roman governor for that province. And he had heard about Saul and Barnabas, and so he goes and and he he sends for them, asks them to come and to share the word of God with him. And so they do. They come and they share the word of God with him. But his attendant, who is a a sorcerer, a magician, this guy Bar-Jesus or Alimus, as he's also called, was practicing sorcery, likely under demonic influence and working for the proconsul. And so, as you can imagine, somebody that, that made his, his living that way, he was against this message that was against what he did. And so not only did he not believe it, but he tried to convince others not to believe the message. And he interferes and he intervenes and he tries to convince his boss the Roman governor, Sergius Paulus, not to believe this message. And so, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Paul confronts this guy, and he's, he ends up blind. And ultimately, we see in verse 12 that, that this proconsul, that this Roman governor, believed the message. And so that's where we are in this, this journey. The church in Antioch has sent these two guys out to go and to spread the message of Christ, among other places. And they travel to Cyprus. Proclaim the word of God there from the east coast to the west coast. And as we'll pick up next week, then they set sail from there and they they move to the north. But truth number one, based off this particular passage, there is no time to waste in spreading the gospel. There is no time to waste in spreading the gospel. We saw last week clearly that that the Holy Spirit of God called the church at Antioch to, send, to set these two men apart, to set Saul apart, to set Barnabas apart, and to send them out to this task that they were called to. And we saw as we traced their calling through this journey in chapters 13 and 14 that the task that they were set apart to was very clearly to go and to spread the word of God, to go and to proclaim the word of God among these other people. And so the church received that, that calling from the Holy Spirit They laid their hands on them, they prayed for them, verse 3, and they sent them off. And then in verse 4, we see that that they're off. They're on the journey. And with no other information between verse 3 and verse 4 in this particular passage, we can assume 
that these two men received their calling and were sent off. Now, yeah, they, they probably went home and packed a bag or two. As we've already seen, this wasn't a day trip. This was a journey. Most people believe this entire trip was about a year and a half long, this first missionary journey. But they didn't go home to, to first cover a list of responsibilities or requirements or a particular agenda or, or to fulfill a number of duties and, and then consider going. The Spirit of God said, set apart these men for this task, and they went. And in verse 5, we see that when they, when they arrived at Salamis, they found the local beach and, and went sunbathing. No, that's not, that's not what it says. When they arrived at Salamis, they looked around for a comfortable place to relax and enjoy the local seafood and wine. After all, this was right in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. No, it doesn't say that either. Verse 5, it says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. No time wasted. These men recognized the call that God had placed on them. And they immediately began to carry out that particular task, that particular call of spreading the gospel among those that they were called to. Do any of you ever have trouble going to sleep at night? I'm not very good at um, taking naps in the day. Uh, For some reason, unless I'm just totally exhausted, if I have an opportunity to take a nap, And I lay down, my mind just starts racing and I begin to think about things that I want to do or should do or or that I could get done during this time and and I just can't fall asleep. I don't particularly think that's a a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's more of a personality thing. But at night, it's a different story. Usually I don't have a problem going to sleep at night, uh, but I can remember several occasions throughout my life where I have had a special especially a difficult time going to sleep at night. I can remember one night um, as about a 12-year-old boy uh, that my dad and I had traveled uh, to the Ozarks in North Arkansas uh, to stay at a family friend's cabin. And I can remember trying to go to sleep that night. I can remember that it was very quiet. It was bear country. Dad was snoring. And the next morning promised to be a great day of trout fishing on a world-class trout fishing river. And I could not wait. I lay awake for hours that night in excitement, anticipating what would take place the next morning. No doubt we've probably all been in a situation like that, where we were excited about something that was coming the next day. But church, what if, what if we couldn't sleep at night because we were so excited and could not wait to share the message of the gospel with someone else? What if we were so sure of God's call on the church to spread the gospel, the good news, good news of salvation and hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, that we could not wait for the opportunity to share that that truth with someone else. 
That's the impression, that's the picture that, that I get here of Paul and Barnabas, two men that were so sure of their calling, they went from place to place and they proclaimed this message. They left Antioch, went down to Seleucia, they, they sailed across the Mediterranean, they landed in Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and began to proclaim the message of Christ. And after that, then they traveled westward all the way across to Paphos and began to share the message of Christ there, no doubt everywhere in between. A journey with intentionality and excitement and assurance of calling to the task that God had set them apart for. Two men that were going to carry out the calling that God had placed on their lives. Church, there is no time to waste in spreading the gospel. Truth number two, the message of the gospel is for all people. The message of the gospel is for all people. Now we've seen this, we've read about this, we've heard this right from the mouth of Jesus himself to to go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, Jews and Gentiles. And we've seen in Acts This began to work itself out as the church in Jerusalem faced persecution and difficulty. And as a result, the church scattered and spread. Believers scattered and spread. And this is is likely how the church in Antioch itself started. Because believers in Jerusalem had scattered and gone to other places and began to speak the truth of salvation in Christ to all those that they encountered. And now right here in In Acts chapter 13, we see an intentional effort by a church to to send out missionaries, to send out messengers of the gospel with the gospel to share with all those they encounter. And so they're sent out into Gentile territory. But even so, no doubt, there was a substantial Jewish population there as well in Cyprus, which, by the way, is, is where Barnabas was from. And so when they arrive in Cyprus, they first go to the Jewish synagogues and began to speak the truth, the word of God there. This this pattern of going and sharing the message of Christ to Jews first and then Gentiles is a pattern that's repeated often throughout these missionary journeys. And, And that makes sense, though, doesn't it? Because the Jews believed in the Old Testament word of God. They were already seeking to know the God of the Scriptures. And so it would be a natural starting place to go and to to spread the message of fulfillment of those Scriptures through the blood of Christ and forgiveness through Christ to which the Old Testament Scriptures point. It would be natural to go and to share this message with Jews first, and so they did. But it was a message that wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles. The Gospel... is not for poor people. The gospel is not for rich people. The gospel is not just for Jews. The gospel is not just for Gentiles. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. It's for Jewish peasants and and prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. And it's even for, for Roman, for Gentile political leaders like this guy here, this proconsul, this This man, Sergius Paulus, it's even for the wealthy, those that have authority and and those that 
have influenced. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. And we don't, we don't know what it is that led this guy, this Sergius Paulus, to, to want to know the word of God. We're not told that in the story. Perhaps it was because there were some on his island that were complaining about Saul and Barnabas. And he wanted to be informed as to what was going on. So he sent for them and, and they come to him. They began to spread the message to him. They began to speak the truth, the truth of the scriptures, the truth of salvation in Christ. This political leader. And skip down to verse 12. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And this, this marked the importance and the availability of taking the gospel directly to the Gentiles, directly to the pagans, directly to those that had no connection with or, or prior commitment to the God of the Scriptures. The importance of taking this message to them. And, and from this point on, a Jewish saw is called by his Gentile name, by his Greek name, Paul, as a messenger to the Gentiles by Luke, the author of Acts. The message of the gospel is for all people. Truth number three. God's messengers will face opposition But His Spirit is with them and working through them. God's messengers will face opposition. But His Spirit is with them and working through them. And we saw this last week. We saw it in verse 2 that the Holy Spirit showed up as the church in Antioch was worshiping God. And He said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for this particular task. And then we see it again in verse 4 that the Spirit, they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit as they went down to Cyprus. And then we see it again in verse 9 that that when Saul, who was also called Paul, was encountered by this false prophet, by this sorcerer, by this magician who was opposing the message of Christ, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and confronted him. Church, without the guidance and the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit, Our attempts at spreading the good news of salvation in Christ are worthless. For one, we would often forget what to say or fail to say it in a spirit of sincerity and love. For two, no one would respond if the Holy Spirit wasn't already at work and showing up and revealing the truth to them. We want the Holy Spirit to go with us and to work through us. And and this is the promise that we see from scriptures. That we will encounter opposition, but God's Spirit is going with us and working through us for His glory as we spread the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. And not only is, is the message of our need for a Savior a difficult message for sinners to swallow, But there is also one that is adamantly working against our efforts. And we see a picture of it in this guy named Elimus. This false prophet who is working against these missionary efforts. and Who interferes, who steps in and and tries to persuade Sergius Paulus from, from believing. 
And he's not acting like a son of Jesus, which is what his name means. He's not acting like a son of the Savior, but he's acting like just like what Paul called him in verse 10, a son or a child of the devil. And the scriptures are clear that this is not a thing of the past. That the devil, that Satan is alive and active and he is going about like a lion seeking someone to devour. He is working against our efforts, against the church's efforts, against the things of God, against God, against everything of God. But the scriptures tell us that as the people of God, the Holy Spirit is working in us. And the good news is that he is far greater. The one in us is far greater, far stronger, far more powerful. The one who holds all authority. The spirit of the supreme God is working through and in the people of God for the glory of God as we spread the message of God to all people. And he is the same one that that raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell and, and condemnation and Satan. And he's the same one that, that filled Paul when Paul confronted this sorcerer who was then struck with blindness so that he would no longer be a hindrance to the spread of the gospel there. And he is the same one that works through the people of God as we go into the world and proclaim the urgent message of God to all people. As those who will encounter opposition for what we believe and the message that we spread, we need to be reminded that the Spirit of the Supreme God guides us and works through us as we spread the urgent message of Christ among all people. And it is a privilege to have the Spirit of God Almighty the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer with us at all times as one who dwells in us and works through us despite our own inadequacies and deficiencies. Now three implications of these particular truths as we draw to a conclusion. But because there is no time to waste in spreading the gospel church, we must make the most of every opportunity to share the truth. Make the most of every opportunity to share the truth. The Bible teaches that, that all people are, are lost and dead in sin and headed down a road of condemnation and judgment and the wrath of God in an eternal hell if they do not first trust in the Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of their guilt before the Almighty God, they are on a road to eternal separation from God. But the good news is there is hope through Jesus Christ. That all those we know, our our family members, our neighbors, our friends, all of the world can, can be cleared of that guilt by trusting in Christ as Savior, but they will never trust in Jesus Christ as Savior if they don't first hear of the hope that is found in Christ. And they won't hear the message if, if we as the people of God don't go and proclaim the message. And so let's weave gospel conversations, let's weave gospel threads into every conversation, into all that we do, every chance that we get 
Let's share the message of hope and salvation in and through Jesus Christ. Make the most of every opportunity to share the truth. And because the message of the gospel is for all people, don't discriminate. Don't discriminate. It's not our job to to share the truth with those that we think are worthy of the message or those that, that we think might respond favorably to the message. We need to be reminded that none of us are worthy of the message. And no one would respond favorably to the message. It's not in us. It's not natural to us to, to acknowledge that we're great sinners and in need of a great Savior unless God somehow intervenes and opens our eyes to the truth. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and following say that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So because we are all great sinners and in need of a great Savior, it's not our task to to determine who, who is worthy of hearing the message. No one, no one is worthy of hearing the message. Now listen to, to Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and follow, th- following. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Because the message of salvation in Christ is for all people. Let's not selectively choose those in our own spheres of influence that we think are worthy of hearing the message, but let's proclaim the message of salvation in Christ among all those that we come in contact with. The gospel is a message for all sinners in all places with all types of personalities. It is a message for all. Because God's messengers will face opposition, let's trust the Spirit and the message. Let's trust in the spirit and in the message that we're proclaiming. This is the the greatest and best message that anyone could hear or anyone could speak or anyone could proclaim. It is greater than any political victory. It is greater than any victory over Ole Miss or greater than any victory over Georgia State, for crying out loud, or, or anyone else or any other team. It is greater than any sports victory, it is greater than any job promotion, it is greater than any, any other achievement that anyone could possibly achieve in this world. It is the greatest message that we as the messengers of God can proclaim, and it is the greatest message that anyone in this world can hear. So let's proclaim it with confidence, trusting in God's message of salvation for the lost. And not only trusting in the message, but trusting in the one who goes with us, trusting in the Spirit of God who works in us and through us and among us and guides us as we speak that message to the world. The Spirit of the Supreme God, the Almighty One, the One who knows all things, the One who who convicts of sin, the One who, who points us to the truth. Let's trust in Him. Trust in the Spirit and the messenger, the message. Because the Spirit is greater 
than any rejection or any enemy or even any persecution that we might face as we spread the message of hope in and through Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Supreme God guides us and works through us as we spread the urgent message of salvation in Christ among all people. So let's do just that. Let's spread the urgent message of Christ among all people, trusting the results to the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hope in Jesus Christ. We thank you that that you have helped us to know that, that all of us are great sinners in need of a great Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd remind us of that truth every single day. May we always be humble before you, knowing that if it weren't for you and your intervention, your rescue plan, then all of us would be on the road headed to eternal separation and condemnation. Lord, help our gratefulness to overflow into our hearts and our minds and our mouths and our hands as as we share the greatest message among all people. As we share your truth to a lost and dying world, Lord, may you give us confidence in you and the message that you have called us to proclaim and may you give us confidence in you as you go with us and as you speak through us and around us and among us, Lord. Lord, we trust the results to you. May we be faithful. May we share your truth constantly. Lord, I pray that there would be nights that that we struggle to go to sleep because we can't wait to share your truth with someone else. Lord, may that be true of this church. May that be true in my life. May it be true of your people. Lord, help us to know the depths out of which you've saved us. And help us to go forward as your people, as your ambassadors, Lord, as you call your church. Lord, we consider it a privilege that you desire to use us as your agents to spread your message. Lord, may we be faithful for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.